Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Today we are going to be reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. Now this is the last chapter of the first book and I just want to thank you guys so much for getting me here. I, ha I really appreciate it, um, you guys have been so kind, um, it really inspires me to just keep going. And I've even thought about um, making a second podcast, as I think I've mentioned before. It's going to be general, it's going to be called Reading Harry Potter with an... Um, no, not Reading Harry Potter, just Reading with an 11 year old. And then that might be where I might start off the first series with my own choice. But if um, if anyone wants to send in voice messages, I'm open to any requests. So that's very cool too. Um, speaking of voice messages, I have recently received one from a girl named Sophia. Um, we're going to listen to her po um, voice message in a minute. And after that, we'll get straight into the reading. Let's do this. Hi, my name's Sophia, and um, I just want to let you know that I really enjoy your podcast. It helps me get to sleep at night, and I'm also 11 years old, so it's really cool to listen to a kid who's about the same age as me. Um, you've got a listener from New Zealand, and I'm in Slytherin House. Chapter 17. The Man with Two Faces. It was Quirrell. You, gasped Harry. Quirrell smiled. His face wasn't twitching at all. Me, he said calmly. I wondered whether I'd be meeting you here, Potter. But I thought Snape. Severus? Quirrell laughed, but it wasn't his usual, his usual quivering quivering tre treble, either, his co but cold and sharp. Yes, Severus does seem like the type, doesn't he? So useful to have him swooping around like an overgrown bat. Next to him, who would expect poor, stuttering Professor Quirrell? Harry couldn't take it. This couldn't be true. It couldn't. But Snape tried to kill me. No, no, no. I tried to kill you. Your friend, your friend, Miss Granger, accidentally knocked me over as she set to rush, as she rushed to set the fire to Snape at that Quidditch match. She broke my eye contact with you. Another few seconds, and I'd got, and I had have got, I'd have got you off that broom. I'd managed to, um, I managed it before then. If I had managed it before then. Um, if, before then, if Snape hadn't been muttering a counter curse trying to save you. Snape was trying to save me? Of course, said Quirrell coolly. Why do you think he wanted to referee your next match? He was trying to make sure I didn't do it again. Funny, really. Um, funny, really. He needn't bothered. I couldn't do anything with Dumbledore watching. All the other teachers thought Snape was trying to stop Gryffindor winning. He did make himself unpopu unpopular. What a waste of time, when after all that, I'm going to kill you tonight. Quirrell snapped his fingers. 
Ropes sprang out of thin air and wrapped themselves around tightly around Harry. You're too nosy to live, Potter. Scurrying around the school at Halloween like that. For all I knew, you'd seen me coming. You'd seen me coming to look at what um, what was guarding the stone. You let the troll in. Certainly, I have a special gift with trolls, and you mu you must see what I did back to the one um, to the one in the chamber back there. Unfortunately, while everyone else was running around looking for it, Snape, who had already suspected me, went straight to the third floor to head me off. And not only did my troll fail to beat you to death, that three-headed dog didn't even manage to bite Snape's leg off properly. Now wait quietly, Potter. I need to examine this rather interesting mirror. It was only then that Harry realised that um, what was standing behind Quirrell. It was the mirror of Erisid. This mirror is the key to finding the stone, Krull murmured, tapping his way around the frame. Trust Dumbledore to come up with something like this. But he's in London. I'll be far away by the time he gets back. All Harry could think of was to keep Krull talking and stop him from concentrating on the mirror. I saw you and Snape in the forest, he blurted out. Yes said Quirrell idly, walking around the mirror try, um, to look at the back. He, he was on to me by that time, trying to find out how far I'd got. He suspected me all along, tried to frighten me. Though as he could, I had Lord of Voldemort on my side. Quirrell came back out from behind the mirror and stared hungrily into it. I see the stone. I'm presenting it to my master. But where is it? Harry struggled against the ropes, binding him. But they didn't give. He had to keep Quirrell from giving his attention to the mirror. To giving his whole attention to the mirror. But Snape always seemed to hate you so But Snape always seemed to hate me so much. Oh yes, he does, said Quirrell casually. Heavens yes. He was at Hogwarts with your father, didn't you know? They loathed each other. But he never wanted you dead. But I heard a few days ago, sobbing. I thought Snape was threatening you. For the first time, a spasm of fear flitted across Quirrell's face. Sometimes, he said, I find it hard to follow my master's instructions. He is a great wizard, am I? And I am weak. You mean he was there in the classroom with you? Harry gasped. He is with me wherever I go, said Quirrell quietly. I met him when I was travelling around the world. A foolish young man I was then, but full of ridiculous ideas about good and evil. Lord Voldemort showed me how wrong I was. There is no good and evil. There is only power, and those too weak to seek it. Since then, I have served him faithfully. Although, I have let him down many times. He has to be hard on me. Quirrell shivered suddenly. He does not forgive mistakes easily. When I failed to steal the stone from Gringotts, he was most displeased. He punished me. Um, he decided he would have to keep a closer tail, a closer watch on me. Quirrell's voice tailed away. Harry was remembering his trip to Diagon Alley. How could he have been so stupid? He'd seen Quirrell there that day, 
shaken hands with him in the leaky cauldron. Quirrell cursed under his breath. I don't understand. Is the is this stone inside the mirror? Should I break it? Harry's mind was racing. What I want more than anything else in this world at the moment is to find the stone before Quirrell does. So if I look in the mirror, I should see myself finding it, which means I'll see where it's hidden. But how can I look up to without Quirrell realizing what I'm up to? He tried. He tried to edge to the left to get in front of the mirror without Quirrell's noticing, but his the, but the ropes around his ankles were too tight. He tripped and fell over. Um, Quirrell ignored him. He was still talking to himself. What does this mirror do? How does it work? Help me, master. And to Harry's horror, a voice answered. Um, and the voice seemed to come from Quirrell himself. Use the boy. Use the boy. Quirrell rounded on Harry. Yes, Potter, come here. He clapped his hands. He clapped his hands once, and the ropes and the ropes binding fell off. He, Harry got slowly to his feet. Come here, Quirrell repeated, and look in the mirror and tell me what you see. Harry walked towards him. I must lie, he thought desperately. I must lie, and I must look and lie about what I see. That's all. Quirrell moved, clo um, moved close behind him. Harry breathed in the funny smell that seemed to be coming from Quirrell's turban. He closed his eyes, stepped in front of the mirror, and opened them again. He saw his reflection, pale and scared, looking at first. But then a moment later, the reflection smiled at him. It put its... It put its hands it put its hands into the pocket um and pulled out a blood red stone. It winked and it winked and put the stone back in its pocket. And as it did so, Harry felt something heavy drop into his real pocket. Somehow, incredibly, he had got the stone. Well, said Quirrell impatiently, what do you see? Harry screwed up his courage. I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore, he invented. I, I've i won the House Cup. Quirrell cursed again. Get out of the way, he said. As Harry moved aside and felt the Philosopher's Stone against his leg. Dare he make a break for it? But he hadn't walked five paces before a high voice spoke. Um, through Quirrell, um, through Quirrell wasn't moving his, though Quirrell wasn't moving his lips. He lies. He lies. Potter, come back here, Quirrell shouted. Tell me the truth. What do you see? The high voice spoke again. Let me speak to him. Face to face. Master, you aren't strong enough. I have strength enough for this. Harry felt as though, as if Devil Snare was rooting him to the spot. He couldn't move a muscle. Petrified, he watched Quirrell reach up. Um, reached up and began to unwrap his turban. What was going on? The turban fell away. Quirrell's head looked strangely small without it. Then he turned slowly on the spot. Harry would have screamed, but he couldn't make a sound. Where there should have been a back to Quirrell's head, there was a face, the most terrible face Harry had ever seen. It was chalk white with glaring red eyes and slits for nostrils, like a snake. Harry Potter, it whispered. 
Harry tried to take a step backwards, but his legs wouldn't move. See what I have become, the face said. Mere shadow and vapour. I have form only when I when I can share another's body. But there has always been those who are willing to let me into their hearts and minds. Unicorn blood has strengthened me these past weeks. You saw Faithful Quill drinking in it in the forest for me. I want and and once I have the elixir of life, I will be able to create a body of my own. Now, why don't you give me that stone in your pocket? So he knew. The feeling suddenly urged back into Harry's legs. He stumbled backwards. Don't be a fool, snarled the face. Better save your own life and join me. Or you'll meet the same end as your parents. They died begging me for mercy. Liar! Harry suddenly shouted. Um, Quirrell was walking back towards him, so that Voldemort could still see him. The evil was now smiling. How touching it hissed. I always value bravery. Yes, boy. Your parents were brave. I killed your father first, and he put up a courageous fight. But your mother needn't have died. She, she, um, she was trying to protect you. Now give me the stone. Unless you want her to die in vain. Never! Harry sprang towards the flame door, but Voldemort screamed, Seize him! And next second, Harry felt Quirrell's hand on close on his wrist. At once, a needle-sharp pain seared across Harry's scar. His, his head felt as though it was about to be split in two. He yelled, struggling with all of his might, and to his surprise, Quirrell let go of him. The pain in his head lessened. He looked around wildly to see where Quirrell had gone and saw him hunched in pain. Looking at his fingers, they were blistering before his eyes. Seize him! Seize him! shrieked Voldemort again, and Quirrell lunged, knocking Harry clean off his feet, landing on top of him, both hands around Harry's neck. Um... Harry's scar was almost blinding with pain, yet he could see Quirrell howling in agony. Master, I cannot hold him. My hands! My hands! And Quirrell, through pinning Harry to the ground with his knees, let go of his neck and, and stared, bewildered, at his own palms. Harry could see that they looked burnt, r raw, red, and shiny. Then kill him, fool, and be done, screeched Voldemort. Quirrell raised his hand to perform a deadly curse, but Harry, by instinct, reached up and grabbed Quirrell's face. Arr! Quirrell rolled off him, his face blistering too, and then Harry knew. Quirrell couldn't um, touch his bare skin, not without suffering terrible pain. His only chance was to keep hold of Quirrell, keep him in enough pain to stop him doing the curse. Harry jumped off his feet, caught Quirrell by the arm and hung tight as he could as hung on as tight as he could. Quirrell screamed and tried to throw Harry off. The pain in Harry's head was building. He couldn't see. He he could only hear Quirrell's terrible shrieks and Voldemort's yells of Kill him Kill him and other voices. 
maybe in Harry's own head, crying, Harry! Harry! He, um, he, he felt Quirrell's arm wrenched from, um, wrenched from his grasp, knew all was lost, and fell into blackness. Down, down, down. Something, um, something gold was glinting just above him. Um, the snitch. He tried to catch it, but his arms were too heavy. He blinked. It wasn't the snitch at all. It was, a, it was a pair of glasses. How strange. He blinked again. The smiling face of Albus Dumbledore swam into view above him. Good afternoon, Harry, said Dumbledore. Harry stared at him. Then he remembered. Sir, the stone. It was Quirrell. He's got the stone, sir. Quick. Calm yourself, dear boy. You were behind the times, said Dumbledore. Quirrell does not have the stone. Then who does, sir? I... Harry, please relax, or Madame Pomfrey will have me thrown out. Harry swallowed and looked around him. He realized he was lying in the hospital wing. He was lying in a bed with linen sheets, and next to him was a table piled with looked like half the sweet shop. Tokens from your friends and admirers, said Dumbledore, beaming. What happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Grill is a complete secret. So, naturally... The whole school knows. I believe your friends Mr. Um, Fred and George Weasley were responsible for trying to send you the laboratory seat. No doubt, they thought it would amuse me, uh, amuse you. Madame Pomfrey, however, felt it might not be very hygienic, so she confiscated it. How long have I been in here? Three days. Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Granger will be most relieved that you have come round. They have been extremely worried. But, sir, the stone. I see that you are not distracted, that you are not to be distracted. Very well, the stone. Professor Quirrell did not manage to take it from you. I arrived in time to prevent that, although I must say you were doing very well on your own. I must say. Yeah, I said the same thing twice, sorry. You got there? You got Hermione's out? We must have crossed in midair. No sooner had I reached London than it became clear to me that the place I uh, I should be was the one I had just left. I arrived just in time to pull off to pull Cruel off you. It was you. I feared I might be late. You nearly were. I couldn't have kept the stone off him much longer. Not the stone, boy. <clears throat> the effort involved nearly killed you. For one moment there, I was afraid it had. As for the stone. It had been destroyed. Destroyed, said Harry blankly. But your friend, Nicholas Flamel. Oh, you do know Nicholas, said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You did do the prop. Um, you did do. Ah, uh, you you did do the um the thing properly, didn't you? Well, Nicholas had a little chat and agreed it's all for the best. But that means his wife will die. Won't he and his wife will die, won't they? They have enough elixir stored to set their affairs in order, and then, yes, they will die. Dumbledore smiled at the look of amazement on Harry's face. To one as young as you, I'm sure it seems pretty incredible. But Nicholas um, and Perinel, um, it really is like going to be, it, it really is like going to bed after a very, very long day. 
after all, for the well-organized mind. Death is the next great adventure. You know, the stone was not really such a wonderful thing. As much money and life as you could want. That is the two two most that is the two things um most humans would choose above all. The trouble is, humans do have a knack of choose knack of choosing precisely which are, which things are the worst for them. Harry lay there, lost for words. Dumbledore um hummed a little and smiled at the ceiling. Sir, I've been thinking about Sir, even if the stone's gone, vault I mean, you know who. Call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name of things. Fear of a name increases the thing the fear of the thing itself. Yes, sir. Well, Voldemort's going to um uh try other ways of coming back, isn't he? I mean, he hasn't gone, has he not? No, Harry, he is not. He is still out there, perhaps looking for another body to be shed. He, not being truly alive, he cannot be killed. He left Quirrell to die. He shows just as little mercy to his followers as his enemies. Nevertheless, Harry, while you may only have delayed his return to power, it will merely take someone who was prepared of fighting to the next time. Wait. It merely takes someone else who was prepared to to fight what seems a losing battle next time. Um which and if he is delayed again and again, why? He may never return to power. Harry nodded, but stopped quickly, because it made his head hurt. Then he said, Sir, there are some other things I'd like to know. If you can tell me. Things, I want to know the truth about the truth, Dumbledore sighed. It is a beautiful and terrible thing, and should be, and therefore should be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a good reason not to. In which case, I'll, I beg you for, you'll forgive me. I shall only, I shall not, of course, lie. Well, Voldemort said that he tried to kill my, kill my, um, he, he only killed my mother because she tried to stop him killing me. But why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alas, the first thing you ask me, I cannot tell you. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Put it in your mind for now, Harry. When you are older, I know you hate to hear this. And when you are ready... You will know. Harry knew it would be no good to argue. But why couldn't Quirrell save me? Um, your mother died to save you. <clears throat> if there is one thing that Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize love. He didn't realize that love, as powerful as your mo- mother's, leaves its own scar. Not a scar. No visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, um, uh, will give us protection, some protection forever. It is in your very skin. Quirrell, full of hatred, greed, and ambition. Okay, so that is it for 
Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling. The first book, fully completed. Oh, that it's wonderful. Um, I have been receiving many voice messages over the past few days. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have, I, I only want to sort of just release one voice message at a time so we don't clog them up too much and, um, people, because they just want to get just sort of the reading. So, um, uh, I'm just going to be releasing the voice messages just once at a time, um, if that's okay with you guys. Um, but yeah, that's the first book done. Wonderful. And from now on, I will be trying to release at, um, release one episode at least once a week because, um, it's been very dodgy. It's been two months. And then when I first started out, I used to do it like maybe every day. And now I'm extending it over two months. It's not good. Um, I'm going to try and at least do it once a week, if not a fortnight. But, um, so yeah. Anyway, I hope you guys really enjoyed this book. I, I, I just loved it. I love reading Harry Potter. But um, from here, it pretty much only gets better if you guys haven't actually listened to Harry Potter before. But um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. If you guys enjoyed this episode, go check out my other episodes on Spotify. And share this with your family and friends if they enjoy listening to Harry Potter. So that's it for today. And I'll see you guys in the next book. Bye. Okay, so even though um, it may seem like nothing, this is actually two weeks later. Um, yeah, uh, I had to stop for dinner, and then from then on out, I just sort of kept forgetting to do it. But I'm back, and I should have released this um, episode a lot earlier, and I'm really sorry. Um, I'm not sure where I'm at. But I'll try and see where I'm at. Because I'm not too sure. Um, He didn't realise that love, as powerful as your mother's, for you, leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give some protection forever. It is in your very skin, quirrel, full of hatred, Greed and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for some reason. It was agony to be touched by a person marked by something so good. Dumbledore now became very interested in a bird out on the windowsill, which gave Harry time to dry his eyes out on the sheet. When he had found his voice again, Harry said, And the invisibility cloak, do you know who sent it to me? Ah! Your father happened to leave it in my possession, and I thought you might like it. Dumbledore's eyes twinkled. Useful for things. Your father used it mainly for sneaking off into the kitchens to steal food when he was here. And there's something else. Fire away. Quirrell said Snape. Professor Snape, Harry. Yes, uh, him. Quirrell... Quirrell said that he hates me because he hated my father. Is that true? Well, they did rather detest each other. Not unlike yourself and Mr. Malfoy. And then, your your father did something that Snape could never forgive. What? He saved his life. What? Yes, said Dumbledore dreamily. Funny the way people's minds work, isn't it? Professor Snape couldn't bear being in your father's debt. 
I do believe he worked so hard to protect you this year because he felt that it would make him and your father quits. Then he could go back to hating your father's memory in peace. Harry tried to understand this, but it just made his head pound. So he stopped. And, sir, there's this one more thing. Just the one? How did I get this stone out of the mirror? Ah, uh, now, I'm very glad you asked me that. It was one of my more brilliant ideas. And between you and me, that's saying something. You see, only one, um, only one who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not to use it, would be able to get it. Otherwise, they'd just see themselves drink, making gold or drinking elixir of life. My brain surprises even me sometimes. Now, enough questions. I suggest that you make a start on those sweets. Ah, Birdie bots every flavoured beans. I was unfortunate in my in, unfortunate enough in my youth to come across a vomit flavoured one, and I've since then. Um, and since then, I'm afraid I've rather lost my liking for them. But I'll be safe with a nice toffee, don't you? He smiled and popped one into his mouth. Then he choked on it and said, Alas! Earwax! Madame Pomfrey, the matron, was a nice woman, but very strict. Just five minutes, Harry pleaded. Absolutely not. You let um, Professor Dumbledore in? Well, of course. But that was the headmaster. Quite different. You need rest. I am resting. Look, lying down and everything. Oh, go on, Madame Pomfrey. Oh, very well, she said. But five minutes only. She let Ron and Hermione in. Harry! Hermione looked ready to fling her arms around him again. But Harry was glad that she held herself in his head. Um, uh, held herself in as his head was still very sore. Oh, Harry, we were worried you were going to... Dumbledore was so worried. The whole school's talking about it, said Ron. What really happened? It was one of those rare occasions when the true story is even more strange and exciting than the wild rumours. Um, Harry told them everything. Quirrell, the mirror, the stone, and Voldemort. Um, Harry and Hermi um, Ron and Hermione were a very good audience. They gasped in all the right places, and when Harry told them what was under Quirrell's turban, Hermione screamed out loud. So the stone's gone, said Ron finally. Flamel's going to die? That's what I said, but Dumbledore thinks that. What was it? So the neck, to the well-organized mind, death is the next great adventure. I always said he was off his rocker, said Ron, looking quite impressed at how mad his hero was. So, what happened to you two? said Harry. Well, I got back all right, said Hermione. I brought one run round. That took a while. We were dashing up to the owlery to contact Dumbledore when we met him in the entrance hall. He already knew. He said, Harry's gone after him, hasn't he? And he hurtled off to the third floor. Do you think he'd meant to do it? said Ron, sending you your father's cloak and everything. Well, Hermione exploded, if he did, I mean to say, that's terrible. You could have been killed. No, it isn't, said Harry thoughtfully. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he wants to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here. And I reckon he had a pretty good idea that we were going to try. And instead of stopping us, he just taught us enough to help. 
I don't think it was an accident. He let me find out the mirror and how it worked. It's almost like he thought I had the right to face Voldemort if I could. Yeah, Voldemort's barking. Um, Dumbledore's barking. Listen, said Ron. Uh, yeah, Dumbledore's barking. All right, said Ron pr proudly. Listen, you've got to be up for the end of year feast tomorrow. The points are all in, and Slytherin won, of course. You missed the last Quidditch match, but we were steamrolled. We were steamrolled by Ravenclaw without you. But the food will be good. Um, at that moment. Um, Madame Pomfrey bustled over. You've had nearly 15 minutes now. Out, she said firmly. After a good night's sleep, Harry nearly felt back felt nearly back to normal. I want to go to the feast, he told Madame Pomfrey as she straightened up his many sweet boxes. I can, can't I? Professor Dumbledore says you that, that you are allowed to go, she said sniffily, as though in her opinion, um, Professor Dumbledore didn't realise how risky feasts could be. And um, you have another visitor. Oh, good, said Harry. Who is it? Hagrid sidled through the door as he spoke. He, as usual when he was indoors, Hagrid looked too big to be allowed. He sat down next to Harry and took one look at him and burst into tears. It's all my ready fault, he sobbed, his hands in his, um, his, his face in his hands. I told the evil get how to get past Fluffy. I told him it was the only thing he didn't know, and I told him you could have died all for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. I should be chucked out and made to live as a muggle. Hagrid, said Harry, shocked to see Hagrid shaking with grief and remorse, great tears leaking down into his beard. Hagrid, he'd have found out somehow. This is Voldemort we're talking about. He'd have found out even if you hadn't told him. You could have died, sobbed Hagrid. And don't say the name. Voldemort! Harry bellowed. And Hagrid was so shocked, he stopped crying. I've met him, and I'm calling him by his name. Please cheer up, Hagrid. We saved the stone. It's gone. He can't use it. Have a chocolate frog. Come on. I've got loads. Harry... Um, Hagrid wiped his nose on the back of his hand and said, That reminds me, I've got you a present. It's not a stoic sandwich, is it? said Harry anxiously, and at last Hagrid gave a weak chuckle. Nah. Dumbledore gave it to me, um, gave me, gave me the day off yesterday to fix it. Of course, he should have sacked me instead. Anyway, I got you this. It seemed to be a handsome, leather-covered book. Harry opened it curiously. It was full of wizard photographs. Smiling and waving at him from every page were his mother and father. Sent owls off to all to um to your um to your parents' old friends asking for photos. Knew you didn't have any. Do you like it? Harry couldn't speak, but Hagrid understood. Harry made his way down to the end of the year feast alone that night. He had been held up by Madame Pomfrey fussing about insisting on giving him one last checkup. The Great Hall was already full. It was decked out in um, the Slytherin colours of green and the silver to celebrate the um, Slytherin's winning, and a huge cup for the seventh year in a row. A huge banner showing the Slytherin serpent-covered wall behind the high table. When Harry walked in there, there was a sudden hush, and everybody started talking loudly at once. Um, 
He slipped into a seat between Ron and Hermione at the Gryffindor table and tried to ignore the fact that people were standing up to look at him. Fortunately, um, Dumbledore arrived moments later. The babble died away. Another year gone, said Dumbledore. Um, said Dumbledore, Dumbledore said cheerfully. I must trouble you with an old man's wheezing waffle before we sink our teeth into this delicious feast. What a year it has been. Hopefully your heads are all a little fuller than they were. You have, um, you have the whole summer ahead to get them nice and empty before next year starts. Now, as I understand it, the house cup here needs awards, and the points stand thus. In fourth place, Gryffindor, with if with three hundred and twelve points, in third um in third Hufflepuff with three hundred and fifty two, Ravenclaw have four hundred and twenty six, and Slytherin have four hundred and seventy two. A storm of cheering and snapping broke out from the Slytherin table. Harry could see that Draco Malfoy was banging on his goblet on on the table. It was a sickening sight. Yes, yes, well done, Slytherin, said Dumbledore. However, recent events must still be taken into account. The room went very still. The Slytherin smiles faded a little. <coughs> said Dumbledore. I have a few last-minute points to dish out. Let me see. Yes. First, to Mr. Ronald Weasley. Ron went purple on the face. He looked like a radish with a bad sunburn. For the best played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years, I award Gryffindor 50 points. Gryffindor's cheer, cheers nearly raised over the bewitched ceiling. The stars overhead seemed to quiver. Percy could be heard telling the other prefects, My brother, my brother, you know, my youngest brother, got past McGonagall's giant chess set. At last, there was silence again. Second, to Miss Hermione Granger, for the use of cool logic in the face of fire, I award Gryffindor House 50 points. Hermione buried her face in her arms. Harry strongly suspected she had burst into tears. Gryffindor, uh, Gryffindors up and down the table were beside themselves. They were 100 points up. And third, to Mr. Harry Potter, said Dumbledore. The room went deadly quiet. For pure nerve and outstanding courage, I award Gryffindor House 60 points. The din was deafening. Um, those who could those who could add up while yelling themselves hoarse knew that Gryffindor now had 472 points, exactly the same as Slytherin. They had drawn for the House Cup. If Dumbledore had given Harry just one more point, Dumbledore raised his hand. His hand. The room gradually fell silent. Um. There were all kinds of courage, Dumbledore said, smiling. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. So. Therefore, I award 10 points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Someone standing outside of the hall might as well thought some, ex some sort of explosion had taken place, so loud that the noise that erupted from the Gryffindor table 
Yeah. Um, Harry and Ron and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer. Um, Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. Um, he had never won so much as a point for Gryffindor before. Harry, still cheering, nudged Ron in the ribs and pointed at Malfoy, who couldn't look, have looked more stunned and horrified, as, some, as if somebody had just put the body bind curse on him. Which means Dumbledore called over... Um, which means Dumbledore called, ca- called over the storm of applause for even Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff was cele- celebrating the downfall of Slytherin. We need a little change of decoration. He clapped his hands. In an instant, the green hangings became scarlet and silver. Um, the scarlet and silver became gold. Um, the huge Slytherin serpent disappeared. And towering Gryffindor, and a towering Gryffindor lion took its place. Snape was shaking Professor McGonagall's hand with a horrible forced smile. He caught Harry's eye, and Harry knew that at once that Snape's feelings towards him hadn't changed one jot. This didn't worry Harry, as it seemed though um, it, it seemed as though life would be normal um, next year. Or as normal as it ever was for Hogwarts. Uh, it was be- It was the best evening of Harry's life. Better than winning at Quidditch or n- Christmas or knocking out mountain trolls. He would never, ever forget tonight. Harry had almost forgotten that the exam results were still to come. But, um, and, but come they did. To, to their great surprise, both he and Ron passed with good marks. Hermione, of course, came top of the year. Even Neville scraped through. His good herbology marks scraping, scrape, making up for his abysmal potions, potions one. He had hoped that Goyle, who was almost as stupid as he, wa- as he was mean, might be thrown out, but he had passed too. It was a shame, but as Ron said, you couldn't have everything in life. And suddenly, their wardrobes were empty, their trunks were packed, Neville's toad was found lurking in the corner of the toilets. Notes were handed out to all the students, warning them not to use magic over the holidays. I hope they'll always forget to give us these, said Fred Weasley sadly. Hagrid was there to take them down to the fleet of boats that sailed across the lake. They were boarding the Hogwarts Express, talking and laughing as the countryside became greener and tidier. Eating Birdie Bot's every flavoured beans as they sped past Muggles, as they sped past Muggle Towns, pulling off their wizard robes and putting on jackets and coats. Um, pulling into the platform nine and three quarters at uh, King's Cross Station. It took a while for them to get all off the platform. A wizened old guard, a wizened old guard was up by the ticket barrier, letting them go through in gates in twos and threes, so they didn't attract attention by all the bursting out of solid wall at once. And alarming the muggles. You come you must come and stay this summer, said Ron. Both of you. I'll send you an owl. Thanks, said Harry. I'll need um I'll need something to look forward to. People jostled them as they moved forwards to the gateway and into the mug and back to the muggle world. Some of them called Bye Harry. See ya Potter. Still famous, said um, Ron, grinning at him. Not where I'm going, I'd promise you that. Said Ron, I said Harry. He, Ron, and Hermione 
passed through the gateway together. Look, Mum, there he is. Look. It was Ginny Weasley, Ron's youngest sister, but she wasn't pointing at Ron. Harry Potter, she squealed. Look, Mum, I can see... Be quiet, Ginny. It's rude to point. Busy, yeah, she said. Very. Said, Thanks for the fudge and the jumping, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, it was nothing, dear. Ready, are you? It was Uncle Vernon. Still purple-faced and still moustached. Look, still looking furious at the nerve of Harry. Carrying an Allen cage in a station full of ordinary people. Behind him stood Aunt Petunia and Dudley. Looking very terrified at the sight of Harry. You must be Harry's family, said Mrs. Weasley. In a manner of speaking, said, um, said Uncle Vernon. Hurry up, boy. We haven't got all day. He walked away. Harry hung back for a last word with Ron and Hermione. Uh, see you over the summer, then. Hope you have a uh, good holiday, said Hermione, looking uncertainly after Uncle Vernon, so shocked that anyone could be so unpleasant. Oh, I will, said Harry. Um, and they were and they were surprised at the grin spreading over his face. They don't know we're not allowed to use magic at home. I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer.